Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Well, I'm so thankful to have you with us today at Transform Church. I know as we said, there's panic setting around all around us, and sometimes people want to lock themselves away in their houses and give in to this, and, but we believe in God. Amen? Amen? And we're in this message, this series that's called, you know, I'm in. Are you in? Yeah. Amen? And I want to thank you, all of you that came out this morning, because I can see that you're in. Amen? Yes. Because we're invested in God's work. And I'm praying that this series has been a building of our faith for our church, that we continue to just build our faith and strength in what the Lord has called us to. Amen? Amen. And so we're in, in this final week of the series called I'm In. And we've started off looking at the four different qualities I believe that God calls for His church to be. Amen? Amen. Calls us to embrace, calls us to be His body. And if you've been with us for the last few weeks And if you haven't, we have this amazing thing that we've just launched last week called our podcast. Amen. And so if you haven't been able to catch up with the messages, I encourage you to go onto the podcast and listen through. You'll be able to listen to all of the messages this year, which is amazing. Put your hands together for our media team. We want to honor them. Amen. So if you've been with us, let's review quickly. We'll put that list up on the screen so we can look at it again one last time. And week number one... We talked about this big idea of being invited into God's family. Amen? So you're what? You're, come on, say it together. You're you're invited. That's right. Week number two, we looked at that powerful statement that God thinks about us. And it's that we are invaluable. We are invaluable to God. Every single one of you have value from our great God. Last week, we looked into the amazing truth of the scripture that says that you are influential. Every single one of you have influence because God has worked through you and he's placed you here for his divine purpose. Amen. And so God gives you influence and we're called to be salt and light. Amen. And this week I want to end off with this powerful statement, which is really the crux of the matter. And it is this, God calls us to be invested in his work. Amen. Everyone say invested. So what are you? Invested. Amen. That's what we are. We are invested in what God has. I'm invested in God's church. Are you invested in God's church? Amen. Now the truth is that some of you might be thinking, well, I'm not sure if I'm actually really invested. And that's okay. We want you to have truth because that's important. Truth is really important. And it's okay to be honest. I want you to understand and I want to help you recognize that the truth of the matter is that sometimes we're not always invested in what God has for us. Amen? We're not. Uh, We might be invested in many other things. The reality of life is that all of us are invested in something. Amen? We're invested in something. You might be invested in your family. You might be invested in your job. You might be invested in in a sporting event. You know, you're really a fan of whatever football club and you're going to go watch them, whether it's rain or shine or, you know, it's 100 degrees or it's like minus 30 degrees. You're over there. You're shouting. Why? Because you're invested, right? And if you have like, I know when my first car was really an old car that we bought, uh, we couldn't afford to buy a big car. So, you know, we didn't care if people ate in our car and, like, vomited. They're like, can I eat in your car? You can do whatever. You can vomit. You can spit. You can do whatever. But then when you get a new car, right, and they're like, can I eat in your car? You're like, no, you can't even breathe in my car, right? <laughs> because we're invested. We have something new, right? So we're invested in it. And so all of us are invested in something. And here's the truth I want you to understand. Your heart follows your investments. Your heart follows your investment. Whatever you've invested in, your heart would follow. In fact, the truth of the scripture, it says this. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? It doesn't say, you know, where your heart is, your treasure will be. That's not what the scripture says. But the scripture understands the reality of who we are. Where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So what are you invested in? 
You know, if you're invited to attend something, I remember I used to work for a retail store that sold mobile phones. And this mobile phone company was different from all the other phone companies because they would never give free phones to anyone, right? Because you, sometimes you can get a plan. You go, I'm going on a three-year plan, and you get a free phone because you're paying for the, the plan. But they didn't believe in giving free phones. You know why? Because they believe that if you pay for something, you value it more. If, you call, if it costs you something, you put value in it. So they would, they would sell the phone for $10 or whatever it was, but they would never give you a free phone because they believe if you, they gave you a free phone, you wouldn't treat it with the same value as to something you paid for, right? And so when we invest something, when we invest our money, when we invest our resources, when we invest our time, when we invest into our kids, they become valuable to us. Amen? That's the truth of the Word of God. And so that's what we want to understand. The reason is because you're invested. You're invested in something. We're all invested in some place in our life. The problem is that many of us, unfortunately, we're investing in things that don't last. Right? We invest in things that don't have longevity. They're not permanent. They're temporary. We're investing in things that don't really matter in the long run of life. And when you look at the words and the teachings of Jesus that we're going to examine this morning, and I want you to be really engaged because this is really important. You with me? Are you in? Jesus uses actual phrase again and again in scriptures. He illustrates it in different ways, in different times, in different seasons, in different stories. But essentially... He tells us the same thing, not to invest in things that don't last, right? Instead, he says, pour out out your treasures, put things into, put your resources, put your time, put your energy into things that will have eternal longevity. Do not put your things in temporary things but put your resources in permanent things. And I want to show you some verses this morning and show you several different examples from Scripture to illustrate one big thought. And I believe that will help all of us as disciples, as Christ followers, as Jesus followers. The more we are invested in Christ's work, the more authentic we become as Christ followers. Do you believe that? If we follow the words and the teachings of Jesus, we actually become more invested in what Christ has taught us. Here's the image that Jesus wants us to understand. And he says this in many different ways through Scripture. But in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, this is what he says. Pay close attention to his words because he's speaking about investment. Are you with me? Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat, eat them and the rust destroys them. And where thieves break in and steal. What does he say? He says, don't store up. Don't hold what you have. Don't invest everything that you have in places that don't last and that don't matter. He says, don't store up. Which is so poignant to us in our world, isn't it? When we go to the grocery store, what happens? People are going crazy, you know? There's there's shortages of toilet paper. There's shortages of, you know... We tried to get some hand sanitizer for the church this morning, and apparently someone told me that in order to buy a bottle, it's $70. $70 to buy a small bottle of hand sanitizer. That's crazy. People are going crazy. I'm sure you've seen videos on Facebook or YouTube where people are fighting over toilet paper, right? Now, do these people need the toilet paper? They don't. What are they doing? They're holding it. They're storing it up. They're storing it up just in case something might happen. Just in case, you know. A lot of times we're doing things out of fear. We're doing things because we're fearful of a a future that might or might not come. And we begin to store up things. That's what happens when fear takes hold. I was talking to someone earlier, you know, last few weeks. And they said that they have a baby. And they had to go to so many different stores in order to get baby wipes. You know why? Because everything was run out. People bought baby wipes not because they have a baby 
or because they because they want it they just they just want to keep it and the people that actually need it don't have it because the rest of the people are hoarding stuff they're storing up stuff because it's done out of fear Here's the big thought I want you to understand today, and it is this. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, write this down. Our God created us to pour and not to store. Amen? Our God created us to pour and not to store. And that's the reality of it. We are to bless instead of take. We are to be a blessing to others instead of trying to hold up stuff for ourselves. Jesus said it another way. In a different time. He said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's the reality of what he says. In other words, we are created to pour out blessings and not store up blessings. Amen? Amen. God created us to pour and not to store. I want that to be the resonating thought that we leave with this, this morning because that's what God created us to be. We are created in his image and God is not a storer. He is a pourer. Amen? He pours out his blessing. And that's good news. I believe for most of us here, we actually love to give. Most of us love to give. The truth of the matter is, when you think about it, it's a real joy to make a difference in someone's life by blessing them with something that they might not have had. It's a blessing. There's something amazing that happens on the inside. You get this this feeling that of joy that wells up. You know, you, God trusted you with something. God gave you resources. God blessed you with something. And you know, I have sufficient. I'm just going to bless someone else with it. And this is amazing blessing that comes from that. Because I'm going to bless someone and not deprive someone. There's thrill in that. There's a deep satisfaction that comes from being used by God to bless other people. It is intrinsic to us because we are created in His image. And when we do what we're created to do, like give, there's something that happens. There's a joy that fell. There's an abiding sense of joy that God has used you and trusted you to be a blessing to someone else. And here's what very few of you will understand. Or very few will actually look into your life and get emotional over consuming goods. Right? Does anyone have an amazing consuming good story? Think about it for a second. You know, you get emotional. You go, I've got, I got really emotional. I want to tell you this emotional story of consuming goods. Think about it. I went into the shop and, you know, there was this amazing bracelet that I wanted. I know I couldn't afford it, but I just had to have it. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to put it on my credit card And I just put it on my credit card, and it took me like six months to pay it off. And that's not the best part. The best part was there was 90% interest interest had to pay over the cost of the item. But it felt so good to be used by God. Anyone have that kind of story? No? You sure? Does that make you feel good? My consuming story, how I consumed, and I got myself into debt, and I'm really excited. It felt so good to be used by God. No? But let me tell you what kind of stories I have heard. When someone said, you know what? God used me to bless someone. I was walking down the street, and I saw this person sitting there, and they had a sign that says, you know, hungry. And I went and bought them a McDonald's meal, and I gave it to them. That blessed my heart. I know someone who just had a baby, and they weren't able to afford some nappies, so I bought it and gave it to them. And that felt so much joy. Or you bought groceries for someone, Or you went out of your way and you said, you know what, God has given me enough and I wanted to bless someone across the world and you've sent money to people in other parts of the world and they used that and it brought you joy. How many stories like that have you heard? Many, right? But have we heard consuming stories that bring people joy? None. Because no one's excited when they get into debt. No one's excited when they have to pay high interest. No one's excited when they go, I really, really wanted that item, and so I just charged all my money and got into debt. No one's excited. Because you see, God created us to pour and not to store. God created us to pour. You don't have emotional spending stories, but you have emotional giving stories. When you look over your life, And especially with people who are tithers, 
There's so many stories that I've heard from them, and I have stories in my life. People who actually tithe are blessed by God because it's a word that actually is brought to life. Or you gave an offering to someone across the world, or you, when the church took up an offering, you sowed in. And you said, you know, I don't even know if God's going to supply all my needs, but I'm going to sow in. But miraculously, God came through for you when you needed it. And somehow things worked out and your bills got paid and you got supernatural increase. I've heard many stories like that. And you look back over those times and it resonates in you because, you know, there's joy from putting your faith and trust in the Lord. Trusting Him that He's able to do what He said He will do. Your faith actually extends. You begin to grow in faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because you're believing that he said he will do what he will do. And the reason I think that so so many of us felt joy is that God created us to be a blessing and not to store up stuff. And the reason why some of us get upset or uncomfortable when we talk about giving, you know what the reason is? I believe it's because we really want to give but we feel we're not in a place to give right now. When we talk about giving, people get uncomfortable. The seat gets really hot. It's like there's a fire under your seat. You start sweating. And I really believe it's because all of us are generous, created generous in nature, but sometimes we think we just don't have enough to give because I need this. We'd like to give more, but we feel we need more because we're comfortable with what we have, and we think we actually need it in our life. And the reason is, I understand this, is because I grew up with this mentality. I was consumed with something that I call scarcity mindset. Scarcity mindset. Because here's the thing. We tend to think that I can't give because I need. Right? If I give this away, then what am I going to do? Who's going to take care of me? Who's going to provide for me? Who's going to take care of the things I want? You see, it got real quiet. We've got to guard ourselves. We've got to guard what's ours. And when you look out in the world that's happening right now, you can see it before your eyes. People are hoarding stuff because they know, I want this. And there's old people, there's babies who are going with lack, who need it, that don't have it, because there's people that are able to hold it and rush there with able bodies and get it before the other people that are not able to. And we think that way. We think, we need this. What if happens? What if the world changes? What if that happens? You know what happens when we think about what if? We take God out of the equation. We remove God. A God who is able to supply all of our needs according to His riches and glory is removed from the equation of our life when we think that we have to take care of ourselves. We run into this fear element. We become fearful because what if I don't have enough? What if this is not enough? How can I give this away if I don't have? This is exactly the type of mindset that's happening all around us right now. I was talking to someone the other day and we were talking about how generous it is to be like Christ. And some of us find it difficult because we think that Christ was God, and He was, and so it's easy for Him to do. But the reality is that He was 100% human just like us, and it cost Him something just as much as it cost us. But that did not prevent Him. You know, He's a God of love. You know what's the most generous thing He gave? His life. What if He said, this is my life? It's going to cost me too much because I like living. Who here doesn't like living? Who says, you know what, my life's trash. Come over here and shoot me right now. I don't care. No one says that because we, what, we value our lives. But to give away your life, the most precious thing you have is going to cost you exceedingly much. But he gave, right? The most famous scripture is John 316, right? What does it say? For God so loved the world that he stored up in heaven. Right? God so loved the people of the world that he stored up all that he needed for them. 
No, God so loved the world that he poured out, he gave, he was generous. He didn't hold, he didn't store, but he poured. Is that right? Because when we are consumed with fear, we are afraid. So we believe we need more. So we store up and we keep to ourselves. And then we find that we never have enough anyway. In fact, Jesus told a parable about a guy in Luke chapter 12 we're going to look at. And it's an interesting story because this guy is actually a rich farmer. He's not a poor guy. He's a rich guy. And when you think about it, you're like, he's rich. What does he have to worry about? Well, God had some thoughts about that. Who made him rich? God did. Did he do it by himself? No, God gave him the seed. God gave him the ground. God gave him the rain. God gave him everything. And yes, he was great. He followed the principle of sowing and reaping. He followed the word of God. But God was the one who gave him riches. This is what it says. You with me? In Luke chapter 12, there's this guy who had a scarcity mindset. He was rich, but his mind had a problem. He had a scarcity mindset. And he told this parable of a certain rich man who yielded an abundant harvest. What does he say? He has so much. If we go to the next verse. He has so much. He says, what shall I do with my harvest? What shall I do with my crops? I have no place to store my crops. Why? Because he had so much that it was overflowing. So did he think, well, I have so much. Let me be generous to the people around. No, he didn't think that way. He said, you know what? I'm going to pull, pull down my bonds. I'm going to destroy my bonds and build bigger bonds so I can store my crops. I will store my surplus grain. I'm not going to pour it out. I'm going to store it up. And God looked at him and said, you fool, you're being so short-sighted. And God says something very dramatic here. He says, at this very night, your life will be demanded from you. This is how it will be for, for anyone who stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. We're created to pour and not to store. Whenever we start with the scarcity mindset, we're driven by fear and by lack. And it takes God out of the equation. I've got to keep it. I've got to have it. I've got to guard it. I've got to protect it. I've got to store it up. There's another mindset, though, that I believe really reflects the God of Scripture, of who God is. And this is not a scarcity mindset, but a mindset of abundance. Amen? I know it's really quiet in here. But we believe that we serve an abundant God. Amen? Amen. He's a generous God. Amen? Amen. He's a God who owns everything. Amen? Amen? He is our good God. Amen? Amen? He's a God who loves to bless His children. It's a God who provides all of our needs. Not only does He give us enough, but God gives us more than enough so we can be a blessing to others. And this is not a scarcity mindset. This is a faith-filled, God-believing, God-honoring mindset that our God is a good God who generously blesses others and we can be a blessing to others because He has blessed us. Amen? And there's actually an amazing woman that we talked about in the first week. You remember her? We encountered her in the first chapter. She was a woman. She was a prostitute. She had a great treasure. That cost her a lot of money. It cost her a year's worth of wage. Right? And she went down and she did what? She poured it out. Did she store it up? She poured it over Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair as she cried tears. It was something expensive. And she could go, you know what? This is my future. This is my nest egg. I've, I've worked a lot. I've done horrible things to earn this. I should store it up. But no, she, she had a mindset. You know what she thought? She said, if he's able to forgive me, he's able to provide for me. Amen. Amen? If he's a God that's able to forgive me everything, he's able to provide for me everything. And so she went straight into this house of Pharisees and she poured it out. And when we look at the parallel story in the scripture, there's someone there who despised it. 
Do you understand? His name was Judas. And we look at scripture and we understand what Judas did. But do you know what he said? Do you know what Judas said when he saw that? He didn't have a, an abundant mindset. He had a scarcity mindset. Because he was after something that could take care of him. If you don't know the whole story about Jesus, this is the guy that betrayed Jesus for what? 30 pieces of silver. Because he thought, I'm going to take care of me because God can't provide for me. And you can see the display of his heart because out of the abundance of your mouth, your heart speaks, right? Why did he pray Jesus? Because he wanted the money. And so when this woman came who was forgiven and transformed by Jesus and had no other resource but the precious one she had, and she gave it as an expression of extravagant worship. Judas looked down at that. You know what he said? He said, don't do that. Stop doing that. That perfume could be sold and given to the poor. And Judas looked at it in this way and said, you don't have enough, or we don't have enough to worship Jesus like that. You can't worship God with that. You should use it in other fashions. Take care of yourself. We don't have enough to be generous. And Jesus said this, what this woman has done is a beautiful thing. And they will tell of her greatness. I'm standing in 2020 right now, and I'm speaking about this woman that Jesus talked about 2,000 years ago. You know why? Because she displayed an act of generosity. She poured out and she didn't store up. That's essentially what Jesus said. This story is going to be told forever because of the generosity of this woman. She was invested. Everyone say, I'm invested. I'm invested in the work of God. I'm not going to be just one who looks on it, who observes it, who sees it pass on by. But I'm going to be generous. I'm going to bring resources and worship Christ with it. Because I'm going to pour out to Jesus in worship. And I'm going to store up and not be a blessing. Amen? Because God created me to be a blessing. In fact, I've told you a lot of stories. I'm going to tell you one last story before we conclude today. And this comes from Luke chapter 9. And we've read the story many times. And I've actually told the story many times. But I'm going to tell it to you again. And this is the story of Jesus. If you look at the, the title, oftentimes you put a little subject matter there. It says, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Right? We know the story well. In fact, scholars tell us that this is perhaps the biggest crowd that Jesus ever preached to. It was the largest gathering that he ever preached to. Now, if you know anything about Scripture and you know anything about how they measured numbers back in the day, you know that they didn't count women and children. They only counted men. So when it says that they, count, they had 5,000, that means there were 5,000 men, which means that there were 5,000 women, their wives and girlfriends and you know, mothers and daughters could have come along. And when, you, when husbands and wives go somewhere, what did they bring? That's right. They bring their kids along. Because we know that because there's other guy running around with some bread and fish, you find out later. So there were children... They were wives, so it could have been up to fifteen to 20,000 people. And this is the largest gathering that Jesus ever preached to. So if you look at the scriptures, it's interesting because Jesus and the disciples, they go out there and it's not close to any town. They, he takes them a farther place they're in the wilderness and Jesus is sitting there and they're preaching and he starts to preach and it's, it's amazing, you know. And he starts talking and he starts preaching and he starts preaching and it's a long preach. Jesus doesn't have three points. He has like 95 points, right? <laughs> and it's, if you look at the scripture, it says that it went on Luke chapter 9, verse 12 says, late in the afternoon. In other versions, it says the day wore on, which means that this is a long sermon. This is not just sermon, service number one. This is not morning service. This is not afternoon service. This is not evening service. It's going on. We're in service number four. Jesus has 95 points, right? <laughs> So these guys have been sitting out there, and they've been listening to Jesus preach. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when the service goes long, I see people look behind. Is it time to go yet? You know, five minutes over, you're too long. But Jesus has been going on the whole day. So what happens when the service goes too long? What do you do? 
You go, like, I'm hungry. That's right. <laughs> I'm hungry. I need to eat something. Or I'm like, I need to go prepare lunch. And your thoughts wandered off to lunch, right? So the disciples, they're sitting around and they're listening to Jesus. And they're like, you know what? They have a little meeting. They call each other like, okay, Matthew, you know, Peter, Bartholomew, come on, let's go. You know, Judas, you stay over there. Let's have a chat. So like, okay, guys, you know, this is going on a really long time. You know, and we're hungry. I'm sure everyone else is hungry. But he doesn't look like he's stopping. So what do we do? Well, why don't we tell him that, you know, there's not enough food here. The people are hungry. So why don't you send them away because we don't have food to give them? They're like, okay, let's do that. They're like, okay, great idea. Who's going to tell them? <laughs> um, I don't know. Why don't you tell them? No, I'm not going to tell them. You tell them. No, 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 we're not telling him. All right, Peter, you're the bold one. You go tell him. So they push Peter, like, go. So Peter stumbles up. Jesus is still teaching there. He's like, um, excuse me, Jesus. You know, it's amazing. I have like three pages of notes. The sermon is amazing. It's just beautiful stuff. I've never heard stuff like this before. It's just amazing. So fulfilling, you know. It's just awesome stuff. I don't want to interrupt, but I'm, I'm just a little bit concerned, you know, because there's so many people and they've been here like, you know, it's a long time. It's a long day, but it's awesome. You know, that's amazing word right there. It's life-changing. I'm sure I'm impressed. All the boys say it's amazing. But, you know, the people are a bit hungry. So we thought that maybe we could take a break because, you know, we haven't even had like a toilet break or anything, and I think people are holding it for too long. It's not healthy. So why don't we have a little break and people can get food, and then, you know, you can continue on with this awesome service, and it's great, mind you, excellent stuff. Do you know what the Scripture says? It says, Jesus says, okay, that's awesome. Why don't you give them something to eat? That's what he says. Give them something to eat. And they're like, one second, Jesus. <laughs> he goes back, guys. He said it's okay, but he says we should give them something to eat. We don't have anything to eat. It's miles away. We don't even have enough money. Get Judas over here. Judas, how much money do we have? Judas is like, we have no money. Because, you know, he's taking all the money. <laughs> we don't have enough money to feed these people. You know, what are we supposed to do? He's telling us we should feed them. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with him. He like, he, I know he's, he's like teaching awesome stuff, but how are we going to take care of these 20,000 people? There's not enough food right here. They go, what should we do? There's a little kid running by. You know, his mother prepared his lunch for him. She had some inside. She's like, here's some bread and some fish. Take this. So he has a little lunch pack. He's running around. They grab him like, give me that. Get away. <laughs> and... They go, okay, well, this is all we have. We'll just tell them we don't have any food. We have like five pieces of bread and two fish. And, you know, then he's going to have to dismiss the whole thing because people are hungry. So we'll just take this to him and give it to him and tell him that's all we have. You following along? Think about it because this is actually what really happened. I know I'm being a bit creative, but this is what happened. They're real people. So they go up to Jesus and they go, okay, um, Jesus, sorry to interrupt again. You know, we've kind of had a little talk, and we've gone around, and we've tried to figure out this thing, and apparently that no one has food. There's this one little kid we found, and he has five loaves of bread and two fish, right? And that's apparently all we have, and you know, obviously, this, this is insufficient to feed the 20,000 people. There's no way we can do this. He goes, okay, well, have those people sit down in 50s, because like, okay. He goes, okay, give me that. So they gave it to Jesus. And now I think the disciples figured out something. They figured out because they heard and they saw Jesus do miraculous things. And they go, this is going to be awesome. Okay, he's going to do something amazing because he's just going to just bless. This is going to be like some amazing things. It's going to be like a flood of overflowing bread that's going to flow out of his hands and everyone's going to get some. This is going to be awesome. So they're looking at Jesus to wait for this amazing miracle that's going to happen. So they tell people to sit down. They're like, sit down. People are like, why? Sit down. They're like, no. If you ever told people to do something, you know they'll never listen to what you say. So they're trying to organize these people to sit down. They're like, why are you telling us to sit down? Finally, they get them to sit down, you know, these 12 guys. And Jesus is there, and they hand this bread. Peter goes, here you go. And he steps back because he's going to watch this miracle happen. 
So Jesus lifts this, lifts this bread and fish to heaven and he prays and he says, God bless this and he gives back the five loaves and the two fish to Peter. He goes, okay, here you go, give it out. And Peter's like, um, are you going to pray a little bit more? <laughs> because nothing happened, right? So maybe pray again. Because I know you prayed for the blind guy and he didn't get healed right away and you prayed again. So maybe a second prayer will be good. So uh, pray again, Jesus. Because that's all I have, five loaves and two fish. Jesus goes, no, 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 we've prayed, just give it out. So he's walking along, he has these five loaves and two fish. He walks to the first guy, he's like, okay. And the guy goes, he's like, whack, here, take this much. (laughs) That's all you get. Because it has to go to 20,000, you're right? So don't take a lot, take a little piece. A little piece. That's enough for you. It's just a snack, it's not a meal. (laughs) All right, next person. He starts giving it over, and he goes over, and he goes over, and he goes over. And as he's giving it, it doesn't seem to run out. It doesn't run out. So then he gives a little bit more, and there's still more, and he gives a little bit more, and there's still more, and he gives more, and there's more. And all the 20,000 people, they get food. In fact, the scripture says that they gathered up the crumbs, and there were 12 baskets full. It's like Jesus said, one, two, three, four, 12 of you guys will get you 12 takeaway containers. To the disciples, you guys take 12 takeaway containers. Everyone has their full grade, guys. You can have your takeaway now. And this amazing miracle happened. But here's what I want you to notice. I want you to think about this for a second. Where did the miracle happen? Did the miracle happen in Jesus' arms or in the disciples'? And when did the miracle happen? When they gave it away. If they didn't give it away, there would have been no multiplication. It multiplied because they poured it out and not stored it up. If they didn't give it out, they all what they would have had was five loaves and two fish. There would have been no leftovers. There would have been no enough crumbs to fill 12 baskets full. But the matter is that Jesus blesses it, and it had to be given away in order for it to be multiplied. Amen? Do you follow the miracle? Because Jesus said, you do it. And they thought they were going to get Jesus to just multiply everything right away. Because you know what? He is a God of multiplication. But the miracle did not happen in Jesus' hands. It happened in the disciples' hands. And it happened when they gave it away. Not when they held it. You know what was amazing about that? When I talk to people about giving to God... So many times I've heard about stories like, well, I don't have enough to give. Or I can't afford to give. Or I can't, you know, I'm not sure I can do that. And I remember that because I had the same mindset. When I first came to the Lord and gave my life to the Lord, and I heard this message about tithing, people say, well, it's an Old Testament thing. But Jesus actually referred to it. He said, you know, you give out of your cumin and you give out of your spice and you give out of your tithe like you should. That's what he said. But you neglect the weightier things of the law. So Jesus is not denying it. In fact, tithing started before the law was instituted. Melchizedek tithed to Abraham before there was a law. It's saying, God, I honor you. And as Anna said this morning, giving or tithing is not giving to God. It's returning to God what he's already given us. Now, I remember this mindset because when I first heard about this, I'm like, really? God expects me to give a tenth of, I don't have enough to give. And so, because I wanted to follow Christ and I really love the Lord, I said, you know what? I'm going to trust Him at His word. And I remember the first time I gave 10% out of my salary. It felt like a huge amount back in the day. You know, I was earning like $6.25 an hour. That was my wage. And it felt like I gave a huge portion. Looking back now, it wasn't anything. And you gave it. And you know what I noticed? When you get to Malachi, the scriptures tell us that Malachi is writing this letter to the people. And he's talking about generosity. And he's saying, well, you need to get your worship right. You need to get your attitude right. You need to get these other things right. And then he gets to the tithing. He says, you need to get the tithing right too. 
And he says this amazing thing. God says, and the only place in Scripture, he says, test me in this and prove me. It's the only place in all of Scripture that God says, test me and prove me. And I said, well, I heard that. And I said, okay, I'm going to test you and prove you. Because I was a young Christian. And I noticed that for a while I stopped giving and stopped tithing. And it felt like I just ran out of funds. I don't know why. It just felt like I never had enough. But when I gave and I gave my portion, it felt like I had more than was required. I can't explain it. There was no mathematical terms that equate to it. I don't know how it worked, but it just worked. Because God is faithful to his word. And I want to encourage you that generosity is not an act. It's a posture of the heart. Generosity is not an act. It's a posture of the heart. It's a, mind, it's a mindset. Generous people look for needs. They look for what God is. So when God says, are you invested in my house? Because here's the thing. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. If your treasure is in your house, in your bank account, in your car, in the things that you want, it's not in God's heart. And you can say, I love the Lord with all of my heart, but I can tell you what you love the most. If I go into your bank account, the first thing you give to is what you love the most. If that is to you, then guess who you love the most? So it doesn't matter what we say sometimes. And that's why I said at the start, I said, it's okay to be honest with ourselves because that's what honesty is. We need to look into ourselves and we need to examine whether we're really following what we say with our lips or is it just lip service. And a tithe, I want to remind you this tithe. The scripture says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. Right? So all may have whatever is necessary. Everyone may have. The key thing what I want you to understand is a lot of people say, well, I give, but I give to Compassion Online. I send it to other parts of the world. I do this. Let me remind you, that is not your tithe. You can think that it is, but that's not what it is. Scripture says your tithe has to come into the storehouse, which means it has to come to the church. And you can try to explain it away any way you want but, and say, God, I'm doing good things, but listen to what his word says. His word says the tithe comes into the storehouse first. And then you can give to whoever you want over that, but the tithe comes into the storehouse. That's what the Word of God says. And you can argue it any way you want. You can get upset. You can get upset, but you know what? You can get upset at him. I'm just telling you what he said. You don't have to agree with me, but deal with him. And that's what he says. And I want to leave you and let you understand this. What is a tithe? A tithe in Hebrew means a tenth. And Jesus teaches about it. He said, you should do justice. You should show mercy. You should do what is taught. And he said, you should do, be obedient even to the tithe. And the tithe is returning to God his portion. You're entrusting to him. You're saying, God, I trust you. It looks like I can't pay my bills. And here's the thing that our faith has to be activated. This is where you're invested. This is where you say, God, I'm in for what you're doing. Because you have a stack of bills. And you say, well, I have to pay for this, the mortgage, the electric bill, the gas bill, the, the water bill, all the stuff. And I don't think I have enough to pay all of that stuff. In your macho mind, it doesn't look like that. But you say, you know what, I'm going to take care of my needs. And somehow you run out. You always do. I've proved it over and over again. But when you honor the word of God and when you honor him, say, God, Yes, I have this, but I'm invested in you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to trust you. I know that you're my provider. And when you honor him, everything else gets taken care of. And you don't even understand how sometimes, but it does. Because we are created to pull and not to store. Amen? Amen. So today, we talk about spiritual. The Word of God is our spiritual food that encourages us and teaches us and instructs us. And that's what the Word of God teaches us. So we have to ask ourselves a question, really. When you look through the scripture and when you read through it, you say, am I invested? Are you invested? Yes? Are you in? That's what the Word of God says. I'm invested. So now, let's be fair. Not all of us, as I said before, are actually invested. We might say we are. And people say, well, I give in worship and I give in volunteering. That's all what you do. You can't buy your way into God. 
You can't, even the tithe is not buying your way into the kingdom of God. It's honoring God with your heart. Because where your heart is going is a mirror of where your life is. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Is your treasure God or is the things that you have in your life? When you understand the principle of giving and tithing and you live by this principle, I can guarantee you that you live a life of abundance and success and you never regret it. In fact, you never even miss it because God blesses you more than you can possibly imagine because you're invested in what he has called you to do. Amen? Amen. Are you invested? Yes. Amen. Let's stand this morning. You know, there's many needs around us. Sometimes when we take up offerings, we take up offerings for various parts of the world. People are going through things. We, we try to help people in different circumstances. And you know what the church does is try to meet the needs. The church also provides an opportunity, a venue, a place for others to come and find who Jesus is. Does these walls make the church? No, you make the church. You're the body of Christ. And wherever we gather is the church. But we need a place. And as we said before, the church provides many needs. It takes care of many things. It takes care of you spiritually. But the reality is that your prayer doesn't pay the light bill. It provides people's hearts. It touches people's hearts to give generously to God. And that's taken care of. And oftentimes we have a lot of fundraising. You know, lots of churches have fundraising. You know why churches have fundraising? It's because people are not doing what God instituted. They're not following God's plan. So we have to come up with our own plan. If everyone did what God said, the church would have enough all across. If everyone honored what God said and gave what God asked them to give, and sowed in and poured into his kingdom the way he tells us to. We won't have to ask, oh, can you give to this and give to that? Because whatever is necessary, God will supply through the generosity of his, his institution and his system. And oftentimes we struggle because we don't have enough. But I want to encourage you today, as we've gone through this series, we talked about I'm invited, and I want you to think about inviting people into his house. And we talked about doing it online. And you could do it online. I, I've seen many of you, even in our group, we posted things even this week and says, check out our church page. And a lot of you looked at it, but none of you actually went to the church page. And I encourage you to do that. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm just saying, you don't know who you're changing, whose life is being affected, who's seeing it. And I can see, because Facebook gives us stats, and it shows you that even with a limited number of people that are doing it, our reach is actually broadening. And more people can see, and they might not like it, they might not see, even respond to it, but they'll see it because you did something. So I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to listen to our podcast through the week. I encourage you to sow into your life, to the words of God, what God is doing in this place. Write a review on the podcast because, again, it helps help reach other people. Understand that you're invaluable to God. You're created with a purpose, that every single one of you has a divine purpose and a divine calling in life that you are influential, that God has placed you here to be light and salt, and God calls you to be invested in the great things of his kingdom. And when we are invested, we'll see what God actually does through us and in us. Amen? So I want you to reach, reach your hand towards heaven this morning. I'm not going to ask you to hold one another because we're just going to be wise. Amen? We believe God, but we're going to be wise. And I'm going to pray that all of us come to an understanding. As we've gone through this life-changing series, I'm in. We talked about the four things that God wants His church to be. We want to be inviting. We want to be invaluable. We want to be influential and we want to be invested. And let's pray together and let's believe God for great things. This is 2020, the year of God's promise. And it looks like things are going haywire in the world. But God always does something greater for us. Amen? There's always a greater blessing. It didn't look right when God took the children of Israel into the wilderness, but He had a promised land. And sometimes we have to go through some rough things to get to the promise. But God always has a promise. 
And so let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning. Jesus, I pray for the church. I pray for every single family member that's here, even those that are not here, that are part of our community and our our faith gathering every single week. I pray, Lord God, that we understand that we are invited and we are called to go and be people that invite others to the great relationship that we have with you. I pray that we'll understand that we're all invaluable to you, that all of us have been called for a purpose, that we exist in this time, in this season, for a particular cause to fulfill your purpose and bring you glory. And I pray, Lord God, that we'll use our influence because we are salt and we are light to the world. In all platforms, in whatever platform we have, whether it's online, whether it's face-to-face, whether it's school, at work, at home, at play, whatever it is, Lord God, that we are the salt and the light of the world. And I pray, Lord God, that we're actually invested in your work because, Lord, there's a great work. Nehemiah said, I can't come and be bothered because I'm doing a great work. And so, Lord God, we are doing a great work in this place and we pray that every heart, every life would be invested into the calling that you've placed in our life. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that the church will truly come to the place where your heart becomes our heart. That we are transformed by your words, that your teaching and your light will shine into our lives. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will renew and refresh us every single moment of every single day. That we are transformed by your love. And that's our prayers. Hands are lifted all over this place. That's our prayer, Lord God. That you will touch our church, you will touch our community, and you will touch our lives. Church, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, forgive all my sins. Jesus, save me. Change me make me new. I know I'm invited. I know I'm invaluable. I know I'm influential. And I'm invested to make a difference in your name for your glory. Thank you for a new life. You have my life. And I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, someone celebrate big. Worship the Lord. Give him some praise. Amen. Amen. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.